Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association of North America's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association of North America or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Clay Nelly with TSAOG Orthopedics in San Antonio. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Riley Williams. Dr. Williams is a professor at Cornell Medical College and the director of the Institute for Cartilage Repair at HSS, as well as team physician for the Brooklyn Nets, New York Red Bulls, and USA Basketball. He was a senior author on a paper entitled Fresh Precut Osteochondral Allograft Core Transplantation for the Treatment of Femoral Cartilage Defects, which was published in the August 2018 edition in Arthroscopy Techniques. Riley, thank you for joining me today. Happy to be here. Let's get to it. So let's start with maybe for those author for those readers and listeners who don't have a lot of experience with these fresh pre-cut cores, maybe just a brief background of what these fresh pre-cut cores are and then your primary indications for utilizing them. Well, you know, uh, I've been on a mission since the late 1990s to really get surgeons who are interested in this line of uh, clinical uh, pursuit to focus on the use of whole tissue grafts, both autographs and allografts. And uh, if you follow just my body of work, it's, it's basically been a, a steady progression of proving out the concept that you could use osteochondral allograft donor tissue to treat, you know, the bigger lesions that come across uh, uh, your, your, uh, the clinical spectrum, especially on the, on the femoral side. Um, the problem with uh, osteochondral allografts and using large hemicondylar specimens is one, uh, it's difficult to match the uh, orthotopic measurements and geography of, of the donor condyles to the uh, recipient condyles, even though we've proven out that concept that you don't really have to do side to side or, or uh, lateral femoral, excuse me, medial lateral, lateral femoral condyle matching. But in any case, uh, how could we scale the availability of these graphs to surgeons who wanted to use the treatment strategy? So in, in coordination with industry, we sort of came up with the idea that if you could send out circular pre-cut cores of various sizes, that could be beneficial in increasing supply. And that's great. And, so, and the graphs typically come in two primary sizes, 10 millimeters and 16 millimeters in diameter, and then typically about 12 millimeters in length, correct? Is that what you've utilized? Correct, yes. And so that's nice. So relatively smaller size, articular cartilage defects, it's nice because uh, you don't have to get quite as big of a large graph, like you said. Um, so so um, for these particular type of graphs, um, just a little bit from a technique standpoint, um, is there a certain size depth that you go for with these graphs? And is it any different with the larger graphs? And how, what do you go for in terms of sizing and particular depth since they come at a pre, pre-cut size and diameter? Well, the whole thinking was... Uh, two 16 millimeter graphs put side to side in most cases should, I should say, excuse me, up to two, uh, should be able to, uh, treat most typical isolated chondral defects, right? Uh, right. inevitably the height of the lesion is, is longer than the width. You know, most condyles are not bigger than, you know, somewhere between 22 and 26 millimeters in, in size. As a result, uh, if you're really just talking about reestablishing the weight-bearing column on a condyle, a 16 would, would be, would be pre- pretty useful. Uh, 
my hope is that they can expand that to 20 millimeters, but, but, but certainly 16 is better than 10. So in most cases, I'll, you know, based on the preoperative imaging, I'll try to get some sense of the maximum height and the maximum width of the uh, area to be treated and then order the requisite uh, number of plugs. And, and most of the time, Clay, I'm, I'm ordering two 16s because I feel like it's very right. easy to underestimate the size of these lesions. So I'd rather have more tissue. I could always, if I wanted to, cut down a, a 16 to a 10 or some other size using instrumentation I have on site. Uh, but two 16s sh should, should be fairly useful and economically it makes sense. Uh, from a from a practical standpoint, in terms of putting them in, I'm aiming for somewhere between six and eight millimeters of total graft height, including the the cartilage layer. So really trying to minimize the the amount of bone load that I'm putting into these into these conducts, and I have not had any trouble with fixation in that regard. That's a great technical point, uh, definitely. Um, in terms of oversizing or when it comes to both these pre-cut cores, I think, and regular you know, allografts, as, as you mentioned, because certainly as any of us have done um, a decent amount of cartilage stuff, the, the defect or the lesion is always a little bit bigger than maybe what you think or what you see on MRI. And so estimating or utilizing a graph that you know is going to be a little bit bigger than even maybe what you think the initial defect or the base of the defect is going to be is a great technical point for sure. Yeah. So a little bit about um, semantics. So in this particular technique article, you all utilize bone marrow aspirate concentrate and so the pre-cut core allograft and BMAC. But obviously you've, like, as you mentioned, your body of work, you've had some other terrific articles and research that's been done that's shown that maybe in some cases, uh, bone marrow aspirate does not show any improvement in osseous integration. I think you had a, a paper published as recently as 2019 showing that. So can you kind of update us on what you're doing now with these both pre-cut cores and just osteochondral allografts in general in relation to BMAC or PRP or any type of augmentation? So we published an article probably 2013-2014 by Aaron Critch that looked at bone marrow aspirate concentrate and the old uh, uh, TrueFit plugs, and it showed a enhancement of bone of uh, incorporation and maturation of those synthetic plugs. Um, so we replicated that study, and it was only 34 specimens. So I. I I always had the concern that, that that study was underpowered, but it didn't show a difference in incorporation. Brian Cole's group did a, did a study looking at the same question, but they didn't use MRI, they used radiographs to, to estimate incorporation. They showed an effect. So the reality is I still do use it. Um, I also pulse lavage the plugs to rinse out any residual uh, debris or antigen load that may be in the uh, cancellous bone layer before I put them in. And I try to put a CC or two in the base of the defect before I put in the graft. I've also uh, fiddled around with using demineralized bone matrix as well to enhance the, the fit. My, my sense is, uh, in general, bony incorporation for these pre-cut grafts, circular grafts, is not an issue. Um, so I would encourage surgeons to do that which would they're comfortable to me. The BMAC makes sense. You're preloading it with uh, like antigens and, and thus, I think, enhancing the early uh, cellular migration into the graft that would that would would occur to me as just, you know, teleologically, that sounds like something you would want to have happen as opposed to the graft being immediately recognized as, as, as non-host. 
But if you just go by the science, I don't think it's definitive right now. Um, I'm really concerned with the fit and minimizing the amount of bone that I, that the body's going to have to replace by creeping substitution in order to uh, increase the likelihood that these grafts remain viable over time. And, and again, you know, collapse of bony architecture in general for a well-placed graft that isn't proud has not been in my, you know, a couple of decades of doing this, a big clinical issue. Those are terrific technical points. Do you drill the both the base of the defect and or the undersurface or the posterior aspect of the graft itself to kind of stimulate some marrow channels? I do. I'll do, say, you know, four to five millimeter little holes with a with a uh, small uh, caliber drill. Uh, and then I'll do a little uh, tic-tac-toe technique on the bottom of the of the graft to sort of soften up the cancellous bone there a little bit. If I've missed, uh, judged the depth and I need to, to, to hit on the, on the graft a bit to make it flush. Um, fortunately I don't have to do this as much as I did when I first started doing these. I would encourage surgeons to err on the side of, uh, leaving the graft a little depressed versus proud because proud is, is, is not going to be a good situation moving forward. Larry Galata, who's who's now does shoulder HSS, but when he was a fellow, did a nice study looking at uh, apoptotic response of grafts that were being impacted at the time of implantation. And although, you know, it, it makes perfect sense, right? And the more you hit the grafts, the more the cells die. So really, I'm not trying to hit these grafts at all. Uh, I like digital uh, two-thumb pressure insertion uh, just to kind of get it in there perfectly. So uh, if surgeons have the time, I'd encourage you to try to get in the lab a little bit. Even even doing it with a saw bones technique is helpful. Get you used to measuring the graft. I usually will measure the graft circumferentially for a depth measurement at three different places in the host defect and three different places on the core in order to establish the appropriate amount of bony resection. And and then I, I err on the more conservative sides of my markings. So uh, I think you're fine with the side press fit, even if you're not flush all the way down to the base of the defect with these grafts. But again, if you leave them proud, even a half millimeter proud, they're doomed to fail. You'll get shearing of the articular cartilage layer off the subchondral bone within within a few years. And I, I just think that for all the trouble you're going to go through to indicate the patient, get the graft and everything, you just want to have a an area of reasonable uh, cartilage architecture restoration and and good bone incorporation, and they'll last for a long, long time. Those are terrific point, technical points as well. So you mentioned utilizing two 16-millimeter pre-cut cores to be able to get more coverage of a larger condylar defect. Uh, how have you incorporated, or what do you think about some of the newer cutting guides, um, specifically certainly such as like the BioUni cutting guides that allow you to get a more oblong graft to kind of try and match that condyle? And has that changed You know, some of the graft techniques, the old kind of snowman techniques or utilization of multiple plugs for you or, or what are your indications for that? Yeah. You know, um, there, there, there's some concern about the bio uni because it is a big bone load. Um, the thickness of the, of the, uh, bony layer can be as, as large as 10, 11 millimeters in the central portion thereof. I've done a fair number of them and I've had some failures, uh, especially in some of my, uh, higher demand athletes. Having said that, I haven't looked at the the question of you know what's better to use two two snowman plugs versus uh, uh, a bio uni. I would say, what am I doing today? I'm leaning more towards using the two plugs. 
just because my experience with them over the entire uh, body of work has been very positive. There's no correlation in the articular cartilage registry at HSS uh, or differentiation in the results of osteochondroallograph uh, between one graph and two. If you start getting into three, then you'll see some deterioration of results. But of course, what does that imply? It implies that it's a bigger lesion and you're likely talking about a knee that's uh, just worse off from an osteoarthritis standpoint. So I think the jury's still out of the bio-uni. Uh, it, it, it is a very satisfying construct, no doubt. Um, I just think a little bit more uh, longitudinal research needs to be done on it before I can, you know, tell surgeons they should be doing it. So, so today my recommendation would be for the use of the pre-cut course. That makes sense. Just from a rehab standpoint, um, either as it pertains specifically to the smaller fresh pre-cut cores or just in general, your general rehab after an osteochondroallograph. And is it any different? Or is it the exact same for say a small 10 millimeter plug versus, you know, a snowman or two doubled 16 millimeter plugs? Um, just give us your rehab protocol. You know, this is, this is the thing that I still get into it with my colleagues at these cartilage meetings. I have been doing one week of toe-touch weight-bearing and one week of partial weight-bearing with these grafts for the better part of 20 years with no ill effect, regardless of graft size, number, or or gender, age, or indication. Um, my whole shtick with these is you're taking a typically a chronically debilitated patient, and now you're going to do a surgery on them designed to relieve pain and to restore function. You, you set them back tremendously by keeping them partial weight bearing and braced up for uh, uh, periods, I think, longer than three weeks. So I'm, I'm on the aggressive, permissive side, meaning that if the patient and the therapist feel that they're comfortable and they've got reasonable quad control to the point where they can walk, I let them walk. I take them out of a brace as soon as I can. The idea would be that you, there really would be no brace wear, maybe a sleeve wear by week three. I know I need to publish this stuff. I just haven't, haven't gotten to it. It's hard publishing uh, physical therapy focused papers because it's hard to, to uh, quantify their compliance with the, with the, with the regimen. Right. So, but, but I do get MRIs on every single cartilage case that I do. My typical routine uh, requires an MRI at six months and an MRI at two years and looking cursorily at the question there's, there's no, uh, there's just, I just don't have failures and, and I, I don't, I don't have any suspicion just based on my registry data, my personal experience that early weight bearing is detrimental in some way. In fact, I think it's just the opposite. That's terrific. I hope you, I hope you publish that data because I, I would love, I would love to have it because I agree with you and I'm glad you said that. I've always felt like you could be, you know, you alluded to the technique earlier with a really tight, good press fit. Uh, match. And so I think if you get that and you feel like you have that, I, I've always felt that you could be, I don't want to say aggressive, but you could be, you know, you could let them wait bear earlier than kind of your typical standard six to eight weeks that you, you know, we've kind of always, it's always kind of been dogma with cartilage surgery, it seems like. And so I'm glad to hear you say that. And I hope you do publish it so that, so that everybody out there can kind of maybe be a little bit more confident in, in what they're doing and utilizing that type of rehab protocol. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, as a, as a, just a general statement, um, part of the reason we came with the registry to, is to answer questions, right? So um, I, I got no axe grind here. If it, if it was a bad idea, I would tell you it's a bad idea, <laughs> you know? So, 
it, I'm very practical as a, as a, as a surgeon and I don't, I don't come into these things with any kind of agenda. Uh, but what is clear is the early weight bearers are very happy and functional by six weeks. Inevitably, they're shocked at how great they feel. So um, it's not that I'm demanding that they only use the crutches for a week, but they certainly, if they feel able to, they can start to come off of it at a week. And that, and that messaging is very empowering to them as they kind of emerge from what is usually a protracted, long duration of symptoms coming up to the surgery. And the pain relief from these, as you know, is pretty, pretty immediate. So it allows them to kind of get past that tentativeness and get back into the, the business about getting a functional leg back. Absolutely. That's terrific information. Dr. Riley Williams' article, Fresh Pre-Cut Osteochondral Allograph Core Transplantation for the Treatment of Femoral Cartilage Defects can be found in the August 2018 edition of the Arthroscopy Techniques or online at www.arthroscopytechniques.org. Riley, thank you very much for joining me today. It was a pleasure, Clay. Hopefully we can get together in a couple of years with we'll some more information. Absolutely. That concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time.